1: The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner.
0: Welcome to episode two fifty something of the Natural Hat Trick podcast, alongside Craig Morgan, <laughs> the Natty Hattie, and Jamie Eisner. What's up? I'm Luke Lipinski, gentlemen. How we doing? We're on the uh, the. Football starts in like an hour, Craig. You've got Mitch Trubisky as your starting quarterback again. Feel
2: good. Hey, hey, he won the battle. He won the battle for the starting quarterback job. So
0: I feel good about it now. That's encouraging, Jamie. I don't really know that you follow any teams in particular, but good luck to you this season, Jamie. Uh, what's yeah, the Bears' record this year?
1: Uh, I think they'll be eight and eight. Yeah, I don't think they're, I, I, they're not terrible, saying. but no. they're, they're, they'll be okay. Uh, I, I actually think Trubisky's better than Foles, but again, that's not a high bar to clear. There you go. They could have had Cam Newton, couldn't they? They could have had a lot of people, but they 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 chose to give up draft capital and twenty one million dollars of guaranteed money to trade it for a guy that had like four good games
0: instead of picking but, Patrick you know, Mahomes but. or Deshaun Watson. They were both there. Yeah,
1: All right, there let's
0: uh, let's get into hockey now. The Craig is officially destroyed emotionally. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let. We want to start with the Vancouver Canucks because uh, we got to make sure we get to Jamie with this. Vancouver uh, has since been eliminated since the last time we spoke, and the. Thoughts, at least around Vancouver seems to be that this team has taken the step and next year they're winning the cup, which uh, sounds like a case for nonlinear progression. Jamie, it
1: does. And uh, you know, this is kind of a text thread conversation. We had a little bit back about potential uh, are the Canucks that like not linear, nonlinear progression team like Calgary was a few years ago where everyone was kind of ready for them to take that next step forward. They showed some promise in the postseason, and then they couldn't really get back over the hump for a while. There's a lot to like about this Canucks team. We've already talked about on the previous episode their stars you know Pedersen Horvat you know Quinn Hughes. I mean they have a lot of really really good star power but they don't have a ton of depth and I look at the way that the Western Conference is still shaping up like like the Golden Knights aren't going away the neither are the Avalanche and they've got money to spend like Edmonton should at least be at this level for a while even if they don't have a ton of money. You know Calgary's Calgary is uh, Calgary. It's just like I, I look at the Canucks and I go, yeah, they can get hot, but are they on paper better than Vegas? Are they on paper better than Colorado? No. I, I think they're kind of in this middle class still, and there's a lot of teams in that middle class of the Western Conference. So I don't think there's going to be a huge difference between, you know, what's going to be the the sixth or seventh seed. Uh, or a, a top wildcard team, depending on what, you know if they're the third seed in the Pacific or a top wildcard team, and the teams that just miss. I would not be shocked if this is a team that doesn't just automatically take that step forward next year. like Everyone always assumes it's going to happen with a young team.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think there's, there's this assumption that the young players will get better and so the team will get better, but I don't think you can ever rely on that as your sole formula. Um, but when you look at the bottom of the roster, they've got some bad contracts, and that's going to force some really tough – Decisions elsewhere, I mean, they, they want to keep Jacob Markstrom, so they're going to have to make decisions on guys like Bertan and on Stetcher, and they've got some bad contracts, as I mentioned, like Sutter, like Roussel, like Furlan, like Ericsson, like Beagle. They have a bunch of guys that, that are sort of hamstringing them for the short term, at least, on what else they can do to take the next step we had any drops, if we had like a producer or somebody that would deliver on these drops, I definitely would
0: drop bad, one of the contracts. bad contracts in there. Bad sure.
1: contracts. But, but like right now, I know it's it's super early because, you know, the season is still happening, but uh, like next year, what are they, the, the sixth best team in the West right now as it stands? Seventh best team? That's fine. You can you can maybe get hot like uh, whether maybe you're running with, maybe Demco can be that, you know, that Binnington for them next year uh, type of a player, but I... I think sometimes, and, and this goes for singular players as much as it does for teams, sometimes just being able to match what you did when you start to hit, start to peak a little bit the following season is progression. And I think a lot of times that gets lost. Everyone, all, Again, nonlinear progression. Everybody always thinks you have to take these major steps forward. I just don't see how they're going to do that, and I also don't see as a team in a more traditional, even though it's not really going to be because of the start time, but a more traditional season than the, what this has become how they're going to be anything more than a team that maybe is right back in that kind of second round conversation next year, but that's probably as far as they go.
2: Jamie, what would your nonlinear progression drop sound like? Would it, would it be? like, I think I kind of feel like it should be space AG, maybe like, yeah, Ste- or like Stephen Hawking's voice or something. I don't know. What what would it sound? Maybe like?
1: or, or it could be like a, like almost like an old school video game ish, like do 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 <laughs> like, like, like 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 change in <laughs> Magic just happened, Luke. <laughs> magic. <laughs> Podcast magic.
0: I thought you were going to say the words and like your I'm from Cole Harbor no. voice.
1: No. I think we have to go different there.
0: Everybody, by the way, from Cole Harbor is back in Cole Harbor now. It's kind of sad.
1: Was there a like more to be s- in Cole
0: Harbor right now. And well, yeah. Was there a more sad image from these playoffs than the look on Nathan McKinnon's face oh. when, uh, when Dallas scored the game winner in Game 7? He seemed genuinely I mean, shocked.
1: Maybe on Gary Bettman's face. <laughs> <laughs> or or um, the NBC execs.
0: Yeah, that's that's true, too. The last thing they want is a Dallas Islander Stanley Cup, although they're not going to get one. They're not going to get it, but... You know, to, to Jamie's point, though, I know that we, we bring up this concept a lot. I mean, Jamie's been talking about this for five years now. But, I mean, just think about it logically. If teams were going to take the next step every year, then we would already know who's going to win the Stanley Cup next year and the year after. There's going to be a regression. Other teams are getting better. And to answer your question of uh, where they are in the Western Conference, yeah, probably five or six with a little bit of upside because of guys like Pedersen and Besser and Hughes and potentially Demko. I mean, he could be a bit of a game changer, yes. but mm-hmm. they got thoroughly outplayed in six of those seven games against Vegas. They were lucky. Maybe lucky is not the right word, but they were fortunate to be there in game seven at all.
2: Yeah. And let's be careful about anointing Thatcher Demko as in a trophy uh, finalist at this point, based off of a few games. It doesn't mean it's carrying over, but that was that was fun to watch.
1: Yeah. And look, we're not saying that they can't. It's just that don't automatically assume they will. And I think that that's the argument that, that – I know gets kind of lost on the hardcore fans of any team and particularly those North of the U S border. But I just, to me, they, their, their path of progression. Now you have to be a conference finalist, right? Like that, that was what you would consider just on the surface, not us, but on the surface where this is a team that's competing in the final four next year. I don't see that happening. Like I really don't. I, I I mean, I think what I I, they could finish third in the Pacific. Sure. Maybe they get hot, but, I don't think, you know, to me, just getting back to second round next year and seeing a little bit of statistical progression, particularly from those top forwards and then seeing some defensive progression from Quinn Hughes should be what you want going forward. And it might not result in a deeper playoff run, but seeing now those little incremental progressions from those top top young players and maybe a full season of Demko being good, not necessarily great, but good. I think those are all very positive signs, even if they don't end up pushing them an extra round or two in the postseason. That doesn't make the season a failure. I think that's the other part of nonlinear progression that that they talked about is that it's not as simple as, well, they got the second round this year, so they must get to the third round next year. And if they don't, then they fail. Well, not necessarily.
2: When I update the Natty Hattie playoff standings later, I'll be sure to include a bonus note that says, Jamie is picking the Canucks 12th in the West next season. Just for clarity for our readers because that's basically what he said
0: it worked for Colorado. The problem with the uh the playoff standings is we're all picking the same teams, and you know I don't want to pat us all on the back here too too soon, but we all picked Vegas and Tampa to meet in the Stanley Cup. I believe back in like November, and here we are uh I mean look Vegas look is, is
1: even with Dallas. We did more than a year ago. When we started before the like the, the regular season before the world changed, that was at least two yeah. of our three, if not all three of us. And we had all of us had at least one of those teams in. We stuck and with it, it after after the shut or the, the pause. Oh you know, the pause. I like that's more. But, I mean, that was the original picks, which would be very interesting that after all of that, if that were to happen, there's still a ways to go to get there. But after everything that this unprecedented season has been, that we might still get to that point in the Stanley Cup finals with that matchup
0: man i don't know that we're that far i mean we're obviously far in the, on the western conference with with vegas and dallas tied as we record this in that series but tampa looks can you imagine if tampa had steven stamkos Mm-mm. to bring this it's full sad. circle all the way back to like episode one where jamie and i were talking about stamkos but i mean if, yeah he's, we'll he's, get to it that helps. in a minute
2: but yeah it's, it is it's it's a shame
1: uh jamie did you give us your non-linear progression teams for next year is it just no because Because we got into the Vancouver conversation, Uh, I think Philadelphia is one that is is high on my list as a potential option because they they were so hot right before the break and they had they were really good in that little round robin round but there were some holes in that team's game that we saw displayed later in the postseason. Carter Hart was great at times, but also not so great at times. I think that's a team just particularly because of the fan base of that city that the expectations are going to go through the roof next year and they are might have a really hard time matching them, especially when the East is still going to be really formidable. Uh, maybe not that division as much, but the actual conference will be. So may- maybe that's their saving grace is that you know who's going to really knock them out In the first couple rounds, if in the traditional playoff format in the Metro, but I'm betting on
2: flying objects from the stands to knock them out.
1: Maybe, maybe, and then Hurricanes could be another one.
2: (laughs) Hurricanes, really? Good point.
1: Well, the Hurricanes for me is because I think it's. It feels like they're kind of flatlining a bit as this good team that's just never going to be good enough to truly be a cup contender. And maybe that – I don't know if that's the traditional sense of nonlinear progression, but I think we keep waiting for their just overwhelming possession numbers and their young guys to turn into a playoff juggernaut, and I'm not sure that they're ever going to be as currently constructed, particularly with their goaltending situation, which is fine, but nothing more than that, a team that is truly a cup contender versus a – trendy first round upset or first round winner in the series and they kind of start to bow out in the next couple rounds another thing
2: to watch with carolina is the financial situation Uh, we've talked a lot about how tough it has been on the coyotes carolina is another market that could feel the pinch a lot from covid and we'll see how that impacts their offseason
0: it would help if they didn't have to keep playing boston in the playoffs (laughs)
2: um yes (laughs)
0: Jamie, before you go, because Jamie has to get his eyebrows threaded, so I don't want to keep him too long here, but I don't want to cause a glitch in the matrix, but is there such thing as nonlinear regression too? I,
1: I think so. I, I think it's more of a situation where everybody just assumes a team will be will be worse than they were last year and just because. Uh, I don't know if there's really a team necessarily in that category. Like, Is there a team right now that everybody – maybe Pittsburgh because – I don't know. I hang around you and you're, nobody is more negative about the Penguins and Luke Lipinski, but that might be the team that everybody just expects to just completely fall off a cliff. And until I see it, as long as I've got Crosby and Malkin, they'll, they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to flirt with a hundred points. I know that's not the mark that's it's not the bar in in Pittsburgh anymore, but I think that, that their demise is going to get a little bit overblown. Uh, I think probably compared to the rest of the league, I don't really see another team that's going to be, um, you know, like crucified to that level. Maybe St. Louis, but I think a lot of that's probably unfair as well. Uh, but I don't really see another team. Do you? Is there another team that stands out to you that everybody's gonna? That's probably a, like a surefire playoff team that everybody's just going to completely jump off the wagon. I
2: don't know. Uh, no, maybe- probably not. I, I can't see Boston taking a major step backward either. But I'm starting to think that the uh, the window for them has closed. I
0: guess it's maybe
1: easy. maybe Winnipeg or Florida, maybe. But that's that's not really dramatic enough. No, and Florida's got a. Florida's got to get there. They were the 10 seed, and their goaltending was awful. But yeah. they Luckily, they only spent $10 million a year on it. So uh, it, it's – I don't know, in Montreal. Like Well, and, and one of the teams, that are, going back to the potential nonlinear progression, and one that kind of scares me a little bit, I think we're going to see, and I'm probably going to be among the people that buy into the hype, a lot of New York Rangers love mm. going into next year. If there's one team that was outside of the top eight – in either conference that everyone's going to start to really love, but we still need to see more from, that could be the team because that's the expectation is they're going to make this leap. They're going to be competitive, especially in a Metro that I don't think is going to scare a lot of people, particularly if they're down on Pittsburgh. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be like, eh, Columbus isn't going to do it again. I I just – that scares me because there's a lot of – I don't know if there's a great team – in the Metro right now, but there are a lot of really solid teams in front of them in the Islanders and Columbus and Carolina and Pittsburgh and Philly and Washington. That's going to be tough to crack the top three. It really is. And I think everybody's because of where their draft slot is because of how great Artemi Panarin was and, and Mickey was and Sheskerton was in his brief time there. I think that there's going to be high expectations for that team before they're necessarily ready to commit, particularly on that blue line.
2: Yeah, I don't see it up the middle either other than Sabataje. I I I don't I'm not a Ranger fan. I don't I don't think that that's going to be a great team anytime soon. Are you uh, actually leaving us or is Luke just trying to
1: get rid of you? No, I can stay for a few more minutes. I can stay okay. for one more segment here. Sorry, I was, Luke.
2: I was, I was
0: trying not to have any breaks in the conversation so he couldn't leave. So here, Jamie, since since you're leaving, it's your choice. Do you want to talk coach of the year or do you want to talk Coyotes GM search?
1: Um, let's do coach of the year. I think Craig is more equipped to to talk about the GM search for longer than I am.
0: What does Craig know about the Coyotes? Um, Bruce Airplane. Cassidy wins, uh, wins the Jack Adams. <laughs> Look, it's not like he did a bad job this year. Obviously, Boston had the best record, but man, I, I would not have had him probably in my top five. Same.
2: I, I completely agree. First of all, I don't know if you guys follow Allison Lucan, but she does these uh, analyses every year where she measures the impact of a coach on a team. Uh, how much, how, how much it's basically wins over expected. And he's, he's not in the the top 10. And I know that's just one formula, but when you look at that lineup, look at the roster that they have, was this really unexpected? What the Bruins did? I mean, and, and no. I, I know it's unfair to, you know, sometimes coaches of great teams don't get enough credit, but I, I just don't see it here. I don't get this one at all.
1: To me, I, I look at coach of the year as like a pseudo war stat like a wins above replacement. <laughs> right. Or it's like wins above i should say maybe it's wah wins above expectations not patrick wah but w-a-e sounds and more hockey like i i think when you you can be a coach of a good team and win the award if that good team is great uh you know if, if you are just dominating opponents then i think you get that but i also think you get hurt a little bit just because if you have a really good team and perform really well it's tough to find out how much the coach deserves there, and uh, to me, him f- finishing first over we talked. I mean, I think our top three when we talked about it, we talked about Tippet, we talked about Sullivan, Tortorella, uh, even Elaine Vigneault, Elaine yeah. Vigneault in Philly. I, I I was surprised to see this. I really was. And I was surprised to see Sullivan outside the top five. I was surprised to see Tippett at seven, which I don't understand. Again, this is, goes back to conflicting narratives. So, you know, he, the, the Oilers were terrible, right? Like, we all watched the Oilers be terrible forever. And then, oh, no, I don't know if Tippett can coach offense. And he comes in. Leon Dreisaitl has the best year in, in the league. McDavid was great. This team played really well. So now he doesn't get credit for it, like he. So he stifles offense or creates offense, but doesn't get credit for it either way. Like, I, I don't want, I just don't get it. I, I I don't get this voting. Um, again, Cassie's a good coach. It's not like it's It's, it's a travesty of justice, but uh, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand this voting at all. Like well, as, like
2: as I said to you, it's it's because it's broadcasters. People like Luke <laughs> Lipinski voting. People like Luke. I had like, no vote.
1: <laughs> the sixth and seventh play uh, coaches on here probably were both yeah, top four at agree. worst in my mind. Like I, I don't under I don't get it. I, Look, I really it's, don't. It,
0: it's it, like you said it's not a knock on Cassidy, but for me, you know, when you don't just automatically go with the team that had the best record. You can lean on that if there aren't really any other impressive candidates, but you just rattle off quite a few of them. I mean Vigneault, as much as it pains me to say it with Philadelphia and he did finish second. Jared Bednar with Colorado. I mean, Tortorella, I think, should have won, considering he was basically doing this with half of a roster from last year. I probably would have had Dave Tippett second. And as weird as it is to say with the way Mike Sullivan had the Penguins perform against Montreal and whatever that was, I mean, throughout the regular season, he didn't have any of his players, and they still were a 100-point team, and they were close. You know, they were on that pace. So I just – it's, like you said, not a knock on Cassidy, but I'm really
2: surprised he was, he was even in the top three at least. Yeah. What do you guys think about Mike Babcock going to the Capitals?
1: Um, I think they continues their long line of poor decisions since they let Barry Trotz walk. <laughs> uh, this, this was so, it's so interesting because I know we talked about this. Again, the whole Mike Babcock stuff in Toronto feels like 18 years ago at this point that because of so everything really that nice. has gone on in, in the entire world, including the sports world. But I remember talking ab- about, and I don't remember what we said, but I think we were all very cautious about, it seems like right now that he's untouchable, but he absolutely is going to get another job at some point. And it just, I'm a little surprised that it's pops possibly the next season. Although even though there's, it doesn't feel like it's been only a year since this stuff was happening. But uh, look, Mike Babcock has proven that he can be a good coach years ago. Uh, I'm not sure he's proven he can be a good coach recently, and I'm not sure he is the person Given all of the reports that happened around the time of his firing, that he's a person you want leading your team now, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea. But this is the NHL coaching ring is a lot like the NHL GM ring. They just kind of recycle the same five or six names every season. Every once in a while, you'll get someone pop up from the AHL, but more often than not, it's uh, they just kind of have these retreads more so than the other major leagues.
2: Is Mike Babcock Pat- does- like overrated as a coach?
1: At this point, he is. I, I don't think. I don't think what he did in the past was overrated. I think at this point his ability to then carry that forward has been like I don't think you're getting it. It feels like almost like an over the hill player that you appreciate. The, you appreciate what they accomplished before, but you know you're not getting that player now. I think that's what's happening here. If I remember sort of-
2: correctly, the last playoff series he won was in 2013. Is that? I think that's right. It sounds about
0: right. Mm, wow, that seems like forever ago. I I think there's something to what Jamie just said, though, of, you know, all the stuff that came out about him, what that was seven, eight months ago, nine months ago, maybe it, it does feel like it was four years ago. And I I think Washington probably looks around and says, we have a Vetchkin for how much longer? I mean, that, that is a team that should still be a threat to win the Stanley cup each and every year. And they they haven't been since, since they won it a couple of years ago. I mean, they've, they've bowed out instantly each of the last two years. So, I do wonder if they look around, they're the only team looking for a coach at this exact moment, and they're just like, well, there's a name, let's get him. But, I I mean, I could see him making them better, and in that sense, I certainly hope they don't get him, but I'm kind of with you guys, and I do think we're seeing it more and more. When you see teams take a chance on on a newer coach, those teams have had more success or more unexpected success over the last couple years. They just don't do it very often. Yeah. All right, uh, the draft is set for October 6th and seventh. Free agency is set for October 9th. I read the uh, very depressing story that Craig sent us about next season that was uh, that was written by Greg Washinski and, and uh, it was Emily Kaplan right from ESPN. Yep, Yep. they you know they went through and they, they talked to a lot of people around the league just sort of paint a picture for what next season is going to look like. We don't know when it's going to start. The original target date was December 1st. There was a lot in there to unpack, but I will just throw this at you guys. Do you see any chance that we are seeing hockey in a bubble, to start ne- a bubble or four bubbles to start next season?
2: I can't see it happening because I don't think the PA is going to agree to it. I can't see these guys being away from their families that long. Look, you can see what's happening right now. They still don't have approval for the families to join the players in the Edmonton bubble for the conference final. I know a lot of guys who are really upset about being away from their families that long. You're going to ask them to do it for a season? No way. I can't see it happening. I, I, they have to find a way to do this in the home arenas. And, and to be blunt with a, a lot of these uh, smaller market teams, they got to find a way to get some fans in the seats because teams like the Coyotes really need fans. I mean, the, this is a team that's already losing money. If you, if you take fans out of the equation next season and they still got money going out for salaries and everything, I mean, 20 to $25 million in losses could balloon up to $80 million really quickly and this franchise could be in trouble.
1: Yeah, and I think we, we've heard a lot of reports coming out of the NBA bubble about how frustrated a lot of the players are there. As much as that's been lauded, and they they haven't had a lot of, any active cases and all of that, they're not happy with that environment. I think everybody, and I and Craig's alluded to, there's a lot in the NHL community that apparently feel the same way. And I think when you you have that information, it's okay over the short term, like what MLB is probably end up doing for their postseason of putting the postseason teams in a bubble. You're talking some teams will be there for a week, some teams will be there for a month, but. I can't see them doing that over the full season. Um, I think it's going to have to be something where, you know, you're you're playing at your home your home arenas and they're traveling. The fan component is going to be interesting. I think a lot of that's going to have to be state by state, city by city. I mean, as we speak right now, there's some even some weirdness for the NFL where the Saints have not been approved as of this moment to play the game that they have on Sunday against Tampa Bay. Um, So we're going to now there will be some more time between now and the start of the season, but uh, you're going to see different areas like you see in the nfl there are going to be some teams that have fans some teams that don't some teams that have two thousand fans some teams that are allowed to have seven or eight thousand fans in in nhl arenas so uh there is it's not going to be normal they're going to have to find some new normal in the short term but i cannot see them having a a season-long bubble i don't think the players would agree to it like when that was brought up to even mlb players for uh a like 60 percent of a season plus postseason they said absolutely not Uh, I just cannot see that happening.
2: And I don't see the season starting before January. I can't believe it's going to happen before January. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And at that point, you're looking at a shorter season,
0: probably 70-ish games. uh, It tends to be the baseline. I just, I mean, if you're telling me, okay, we're going to tell the players that they're going to be in a bubble for a month, and then there is either going to be a break before they go into a different bubble, or we're switching over at that point. Like, if you're going to put them in the bubble for a couple weeks to start the season, knowing that at a certain point you're going to go back to, to relatively normal, then I could see it maybe happening. But at that point, why not just wait a few more weeks? <laughs> any more than that, I'm with you guys. It, this, the NHL bubble could not have gone any better than, than it has, and it's still not realistic for a full season next year. It just isn't. Yeah. Should we get into the GM stuff here? Depends. Jamie, do you need to go? Yeah, I'm going to head out. All right. I was—I really thought Jamie was just going to like sign off and never say What so did I, but Wait, then you Chad, guys paused. He sent, sent us a message. I didn't
1: know you were stopping there. There's a long pause there. I hope you leave this all in, too. I hope that everybody oh, yeah. can hear. this. I'm not only am I going to leave it all in,
0: I'm going to turn down the volume on the entire rest of the podcast, except this one second right here, and I'm going to play this louder. Nice. Jamie, any, any parting thoughts before you uh, you leave here? Any any knowledge you'd like to drop Are
2: lines? you, in fact, getting your eyebrows
1: weeped? I I, I am not. I'm not doing anything to my eyebrows. Um, I'm perfectly content with their current state. Now, I guess my only thought is, is that I am very much looking forward to hopefully uh, a Vegas Tampa final. Uh, And I think that would just be really fun to watch. uh, And we're close to getting that, but not quite there yet. But we'll see. I I don't know if we're going to do another. Hopefully we'll be doing another natty-hattie before uh, the start of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how quickly the, some of these series go because Dallas is making it tough. That might actually be a longer series than Vegas or anybody else hopes for. What
0: were your two predictions before we go? Because I don't think we've said those on the air yet. Oh, for, for these series? For these rounds, yeah.
1: I think I picked both Vegas and Tampa in six, if I'm not okay. mistaken. C- right. Craig can fact-check me on that. It's in his textbook. Yeah, but I'll put it out like later
2: today. Yeah, I, took, uh, I think I took Tampa in six and Vegas in seven. Yeah, I think that's what I did too.
0: All right. Thanks, Jamie. Enjoy football. Bye. See you, Jamie. (laughs) Um, All right. Now that Jamie's gone, let's get into the important stuff. Craig, let's uh, let's get into this Coyotes GM search because on the one hand, it's not something you want to rush, and I understand that. It's arguably the most important position in your organization right now with everything going on. But on the other hand, we just looked at the dates. I mean, the draft and free agency are now less than two months away. You don't want to bring your GM in two weeks before that.
2: Yeah, uh, well, less than it's, it's, we're inside four weeks now, right? For, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. One, next month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. they really need yeah, to hurry up. <laughs> yeah. It's less than a month till the draft, less than four weeks till the draft, and, and about four weeks until free agency opens. So, yeah, it, it'd be a good idea to bring someone in. Uh, my understanding right now is that they are finishing up the first round of interviews this week. I think the last first round of interviews will be on Friday. And then they'll whittle it to, you know, whoever the finalists, the two or three finalists are, and hopefully make a decision next week. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, I've reported a lot of names. I reported that Pierre Maguire, the the only one that I know of that has had a second interview is now out of the running. Peter Chiarelli is also out of the running. So clearly the Coyotes are making some progress.
0: I love the reaction to the, uh, the Pierre Maguire news when oh. you put that out there on Twitter. And some of it a little mean. It felt but badly one, for Pierre, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. the one thing I, I would say is, as I loved the – I don't know whose comment it was back to you, but I had been thinking the same thing, and, I, and it's just something I couldn't tweet. But if the Coyotes took Pierre Maguire on as their GM, they get their draft picks back, right? they get their second rounder this year yeah, in their first the condition.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they should at least get that. You can't do uh, both. Well, it really yeah. is October next month. Yes, it is. It's crazy, isn't it? Oh. Which means we're going to have good weather soon. So there's a lot to look forward to you. That's, Pierre Maguire yeah. and Peter Chiarelli will not be the GM of the Coyotes and October is coming. So. Which one do you think makes Coyotes fans happier to hear
0: that it's not Chiarelli or that it's not Maguire? Because for me, it's actually Chiarelli. I'm not like, I think Maguire would be good as a GM, but I already know Chiarelli isn't good as a GM. That's, that's a poll question. I think. Yeah. Okay. I'll put that out. <laughs> 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 um. Are you looking for anything specific? Do you have any idea, like, necessarily what they are looking for in a GM at this point? I,
2: I Look, I've, I've said all along that, I, that they got to get this right, obviously. This is a critical hire for their future. Um, but I don't, on the other hand, get the sense that they want to spend big money on a GM. So I don't think candidates like Ron Hextall and Ray Shearer are going to get a, a serious look. And as far as I know, they haven't even been contacted, which at this point makes you think they're not in the running. Um, there's always, you know, there's always pieces of information that don't leak out, but I don't think either one of them has been contacted. So I don't see them in the running. I could see this going to, you know, an assistant GM from, a, you know, a successful club. I mentioned some of the names that are out there, like Bill Armstrong or Chris McFarlane or uh, Jason Carmanos. Um, th- those are some of the names that I mentioned. Even uh, Mike Fuda is a name that I mentioned before from from the Kings but they could also decide to stay in-house with Steve Sullivan, who obviously would not cost them more money, and money is really an issue with the Coyotes right now. Or maybe they turn to someone like Sean Burke, who knows this organization really well and has some managerial managerial experience with Team Canada.
0: Yeah, you know, it's not like you have to spend money to get a good GM. It's entirely possible that a guy like Sean Burke or a guy like Steve Sullivan ends up being the right choice. I don't want to see them, especially – you know, with everything going on, every team has to consider money unless you're like the Maple Leafs right now to a certain extent. Um, I, I don't want to see them hire a guy just because he's a cheap option because like you said, and, and you know, it's it's undeniable, this is an extremely important position for any team, but especially for a team right now that's at a crossroads. So I don't want to see them go cheap because they have to but at the same time i don't want to see them go out and be like well this guy's a big name he costs a lot of money so that means he's a good gm and we'll spend on him it's possible they end up with the right guy without spending a lot of money i wouldn't have minded if they interviewed shiro and Hextall, though but you know
2: it it is what it is yeah i mean you you, maybe you bring them in just to hear their thoughts right it might inform your decision so i don't think it's a bad thing but yeah listen some of those names that i just mentioned though if it's if it's if it's bill armstrong or or if it's uh if it's Chris McFarland or even a name that I've heard, but I haven't confirmed this yet. So I don't want anyone to think that he's definitely a candidate yet. Tampa's Al Murray is another one. If they make one of those hires, at least you say, okay, they're turning to successful organizations and guys who've done good work. So there's some sense to this. You really never know until one of these guys steps into the chair, if he's going to be good at the job, right? It's, I know, I know these people, a lot of people like to throw out names and say, oh, this guy would be a great hire. We don't know. We don't know until they're in that position and you work within the parameters of a new organization and whatever restrictions they place upon you. Um, but those guys, at least you, you can see some logical sense to, to making those choices.
0: Yeah, and I, I would just set you up here to to clear this up if people will look and they say, okay, well, Shiro and Hextall, they're not interested in that job. Like, there's not a lot – what, is there one GM job open in the NHL right now? If you want to be a GM, you're interested in the job. If it's yeah. not going to be Shiro and Hextall, it's because the Coyotes just didn't want to go down that path.
2: My understanding is both are interested in the job. Yeah,
0: uh, anything else on this or can we jump? I, I really, I love the story of Bobby Ryan winning the master tip. Oh. Are, we, are we good to, to go there? I re, actually reread yeah. you, you put the athletic story from, it was like back in February, which I had read back then, but I reread it again, uh, today. Just, I mean, Bobby Ryan has had a tough life before he, he dealt with, uh, with alcohol and everything. And, you could, I mean, the start of his career was was remarkable. When he was, what was the line in Anaheim? Was it Getzlaff, Perry, and Ryan? Sometimes they put that line together. I mean, that was a, a dangerous line. His career is dropped off and everything, but to see him come back, I mean,
2: certainly a a, a worthy winner of that award. Yeah, no, no question about it. And when, when, yeah, when he was so, he was so honest with, with the struggle he went through. And that's, that's the part, you you know, you, sometimes these guys go through these tough, tough situations in their lives and you, you get bits and pieces. So you get a sense of the story, but I mean, he was just so blunt and open about what he experienced. And that was, that was just powerful to me. And I I know some people were looking at maybe some other candidates, um, but, to me, Bobby Ryan was the most powerful story. And he got my vote, actually, I voted in this one, and, and he was my number one vote. Yeah, it's, you know, there's a lot of
0: reasons why I wish the NHL awards had had happened this year. But Bobby Ryan would have certainly been one of those people that would have been interesting to talk to when they do the media availability the day before or whatever. So, you know, good, good to see him win that. And like you said, the the honesty, you know, everybody likes a, a comeback. It's it's when, It's when you're and no, I don't think even in in the environment we live in right now, people expect other people to be perfect or at least not uh, professional athletes. But it's when you are a professional athlete that has flaws and you still act like you're perfect and better than everybody else. Then there's that's a little bit different. But uh, but Bobby Ryan, like you said, very honest and and open and even open and honest about the fact that he knew it was going to be difficult to be open and honest. And uh, but he knew that was part of his his sort of recovery.
2: Yeah this this award it's it's interesting every year the uh Professional Hockey Writers Association reminds us that this is not always about overcoming personal tragedy, that, but that really is what this award has become. I almost feel like they should just concede and say, okay, dedication to the sport. What does that really mean anyway? Because a lot of guys do a lot for the sport. I don't know that you can vote on that unless you're really out in the community talking to a lot of people. I really feel like that's what this award has become. So we should all just embrace it. And when you get a story like this, I mean, who has a problem with Bobby Ryan winning the award for this? No,
0: nobody. Before we move on, please tell me that is a drawing on you of you on the wall behind you.
2: Yes, it is. Nice. From, and, from my and days at the East Valley Tribune. And please tell me you drew it. No, I did not. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, my, the former sports editor, Bob Romanic, had those commissioned for every one of the uh, Tribune sports employees when the East Valley Tribune went under. Nice. He gave us those as party gifts.
0: Um, back to Vancouver here for a second. We talked about Thatcher Demko who almost single-handedly won that series for them. It feels like what is Demko's only like 24, right? It feels like he's been their top goalie prospect since the early seventies, but still he's, he's really young. Um, he looked amazing. But as you said before, three games now, it's three high pressure games, but we've seen goalies look great in the playoffs in the past and then not have that amazing career going forward. Not to say he won't, but they're in an interesting position now because They're going to have a hard time affording Jacob Markstrom anyway. So do you keep Markstrom and Demko or do you
2: feel like, okay, we can save some money and just go with Demko? It sounds like they want to keep Markstrom from everything that I've read thus far. So, and I think that's a wise move. Look, you need two goalies. We know this. We've seen this in Arizona. You need two starting caliber goalies on your roster. So to throw all the eggs in the Thatcher Demko basket off three off three playoff games, to me is crazy. Markstrom, Markstrom had a good season. There's nothing wrong with the season he had. I thought he was a, a little spotty in the postseason, but by, by and large, he's been a good goaltender. So that makes a lot of sense to me. But as we mentioned before, if they do that, they're going to have to make some other tough roster decisions because they have some bad contracts. I leaned into yeah. that, by the way. Well, I'm sorry, the that listeners. Actually, no. Yeah. That sorry.
0: Was, that was excellent. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, we'll just, I'll... did you mute me? You did. I did not she?
0: mute you. No, okay. I absolutely not. I would never do such a thing. Hold on, let me just mute you real quick. Can we mute other people? I thought I could only mute myself. This is this changes the entire ball game here. Um in terms of a guy like Markström potentially being available or whatever Vegas is going to do in net, you know, I, I, just to tie it back into the coyotes, I know there's been talk that they may at least explore dealing Darcy Kemper. It doesn't mean they're going Yikes. to, but if, if yeah, that's that's that is a whole podcast in and of itself if that actually happens. Ah, yes, but, it is if if it's me, if I'm, if I'm the next GM of the team, which by the way, hasn't been rolled out. Um, I'm not, I, I think t- it has actually, but, oh, but you know, you, you didn't tweet look? out that it had been rolled out though. So I don't that's, buy it. That, that's true. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm not dealing Darcy Kemper unless I'm getting a massive return for him because, you know, he, it, I understand he makes some money, but it's not like he's making carry price money or it's not like you're paying a ton of money to Kemper. So, to me, dealing him if it comes to that is to get a bunch of pieces back because you don't have draft picks coming up, and you need you need maybe some hopefully something up the middle. Um, yeah, if you have these other goalies out there on the market, doesn't that bring down the potential return for him? Even though, he's yeah, better? and it
2: depends on who's on the market, right? Because uh, now, now now there's talk that Vegas wants to re-sign Robin Leonard. It, it, if uh, Vancouver brings back Jacob Markstrom as well, who's really on the market? You've got Braden Holtby, maybe um, Matt Murray could be on the market, uh, but he's yeah. an RFA, right? Well, they're um, going to trade either him or Jari, apparently. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, when you take those two names that I just mentioned out of the, the mix, that diminishes the market somewhat, doesn't it? Now I, I think Antti Ranta could be traded as well, but I, I do think that diminishes the market a little bit if you, you're taking those two guys out. But even so with, with a guy like Darcy Kemper it, on another team, he has a potential to be a Vezina trophy winner, maybe a heart trophy winner. So He's your most tradable asset. He's on a friendly contract. I, I still think that he he rockets to the top of the list for any team looking to acquire a goaltender. Now, what do you need to get in return? If the Coyotes are looking just to shed money, that's a problem because you can't trade a guy like Darcy Kemper and just get picks in return. To me, that is a failed trade. If you're only looking at acquiring draft picks, you need a core piece. You need a, like a top six center or a top four defenseman if you're going to trade Darcy Kemper and then something else. Um, I'm with you. You should be able to get a legit number two, no
0: questions asked center, or honestly, I think you should be able to get a center that, you know, probably isn't a a true number one around the league necessarily, but is is your clear number one. I, I should say, isn't, isn't considered like an elite number one. It's not a Mark Shifley or somebody like that, but you should be able to get in return a center that is your clear number one. Every night you go out there as the coyotes, he should immediately jump to the top of your list. So I guess the, the, the long and short of it here. And the, the takeaway is if you're a coyotes fan, you want Vancouver to keep Markstrom. You want Vegas to keep Robin Leonard Leonard, especially is the one where, you know, Pittsburgh, one of their goalies is available in trade. Hope he's going to be available as, as a free agent, but, uh, Leonard's the only guy I really think that teams might look at on a similar level as Darcy Kemper. I mean, if Leonard goes and wins the Stanley cup this year and he's the starting goalie and he's pitching shutouts. Yeah. I mean, that's, the team you're not going to, nobody's getting into a bidding war for Kemper. If they can just go out and sign Leonard, that's the problem.
2: Yeah. But, but as Jesse Granger uh, pointed out, it really looks like Vegas is making a hard push to re-sign him. So, and I think he'll want to be there. Obviously they, that's a, that's a team that's going to have a lot of success I think a lot of NHL players like living in Las Vegas anyway, so uh, I think they have good, they've got a good chance of bringing him back.
0: Do you think there's any sort of limitations if you're going to trade a guy like Kemper just in terms of teams that would be willing to go after him? I mean, what I'm thinking is if a team's going to go out there and trade for Kemper, they need to be a playoff a contender with Stanley Cup aspirations that also doesn't have a good goalie. So that really limits to, like, Calgary, Colorado maybe. I mean, a lot of teams that are successful – Already have a good goalie.
2: It depends on how how you view your goaltending. I mean, do you do you look at your goaltending and say, yeah, we've got a good option, but not a great option? I think that opens up opens it up even more. And then when you look at Darcy Kemper's contract situation, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to roll that into your cap structure. I think he's uh, he's making four point or his cap number is four point five. So, and that's that's for two more years. So you like the fact that you've got him signed for two more years. That's, that's not a bad situation to roll into your cap structure for an elite goaltender.
0: Yeah. And, and, but I'm, I'm very much with you. I don't want to see, Hey, Kemper got traded to Colorado for the 25th pick in the draft.
2: Like that. No, does that, nothing for that'd him. be awful. Yeah. If you, if you're trading them like in, in your best, the, the best asset you acquire is a mid to late first round pick. That is an epic failure of a trade. That's basically like trading
0: in, in your car for like scratch tickets from the grocery store, not even a Powerball ticket, just scratch tickets. <laughs> um let's get into the, uh, the the four teams that are left tampa bay and the islanders and we kind of alluded to this earlier there's there's a there's a very real scenario where tampa bay is just light years ahead of 95 percent of the league and look game two against the islanders came down to a last second shot by nikita kucherov but game one that was scary if you don't like tampa they put up eight goals on a team built on not giving up any goals
2: yeah, and I know Barry Trotz is saying what a coach has to say, that this this series is not far from flipping. Uh, if Brayden Point isn't playing, that's, that's something to consider because he has been a huge piece for Tampa. And obviously, Stephen Stamkos, as we mentioned already, is not in the lineup. So that's two big pieces that you would take out. I know Stamkos hasn't played at all. But Brayden Point has been fantastic. Alex Killorn is going to miss the next game because of a suspension. So... You you could see the Islanders winning the game the next game, but man, that that last game, when they scored the way they scored, it just felt like a knockout punch in game two. New York needed to win that game. Are you really expecting the Islanders to win four of five from Tampa? I just can't no, see it.
0: N- not at this point either. This is something we talked about at the beginning of this tournament. You, you look at, you know, we said anything could happen in the, in the qualifying round. And to a certain extent, maybe that would even carry over into the first round because these teams have had so much time off. But in terms of getting to the Stanley Cup, it's really tough to be a team that wins four series that would normally win you the Stanley Cup just to get to the Stanley Cup. And you look at the four teams that are left right now, the Islanders are the only team that had to play that additional round. Dallas, Vegas, Tampa all had a, a, a bye and throughout the qualifying round. They just played round robin. I mean... Tampa's doing what they what a, what a Stanley Cup winner should do in the sense that they delivered that just brutal knockout punch to the Islanders in Game 2 with the late goal. They exercised a lot of demons against Columbus by winning in, in the fifth overtime of Game 1. I have all the respect in the world for the Islanders coming into these playoffs. I mainly had all the respect in the world for Barry Trotz and Matthew Barzal, but watching that team go through you know, Florida pretty easily, but Philadelphia, Washington uh, – I just I don't see them winning four out of five from Tampa to answer your question. I, I don't think anybody at this point can win four out of five against Tampa.
2: Yeah, and we said this at the start of the series. This is the time when Cinderella's coach turns back into a pumpkin. Uh, the, the Islanders were a great story, but they're not a Stanley Cup finalist. And, and secondly, when you watch Tampa now, and I know we all expected this last season, the off-season or the, uh, the the moves they made in season to add more grit they that, that that has allowed this team to play a different style than it could play last year and I, I think it completed this team this is a really good roster even without steven stamkos this is a really good roster and certainly a cup worthy roster
0: yeah very smart moves because and i know we said this last week like you you mentioned there but it, you know nothing that, that completely alters their team but they went out and got stuff they didn't have that's that's a fine line to walk to say okay we need this but we're not adding it in such a way where we have to change how we play they got guys that that fit in very seamlessly which in some ways it's probably even more impressive considering they had four and a half months uh, before the actual playoffs started. I I do want to mention Stamkos. I know we, we touched on it earlier, but I mean, this guy, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who who watches hockey pretty, pretty consistently in the playoffs. He doesn't watch a lot during the regular season, but, uh, but, but he, he brought up like, you know, how, how good is Steven Stamkos? How good would Tampa be if they had Stamkos? And, And to me, if they had a healthy Stamkos right now, nobody's beating them. Um, yeah, but Stamkos—I mean, this guy scored 65 goals in a season earlier in his career. To me, he was a Hall of Famer if he could stay healthy, and he just can't get on the ice.
2: Yeah, it's it, it would be sad to me. I mean, it'll—I'm sure he'll still celebrate if they win the cup. But imagine missing this after all he's done for this franchise. It's it's a it's a sad story. It really is. Um, but speaking of Tampa's additions, can we talk about Barkley Goudreau's hit on Brock Nelson from behind that? Apparently, no one's paying any attention to at the league office. I mean, Alvis Killorn got suspended for his play, but Barkley Goudreau cross-checked Brock Nelson in the back of the head, cross-checked his head into the glass, and Brock Nelson went down and was clearly woozy after that. And nothing? Are you kidding me? Yeah, nothing? That, that that was weird. That's, it, it has
0: been a strange run for uh, the Department of Player Safety and <laughs> since since the return here because – we were all talking on a text thread when um, when Brian Reeves got the suspension. I can't remember who he hit. Was it was it Jason Mott that he hit in the in the, in the head? I don't remember who it was now on on a. Tyler Mott. I don't know who it was. Tyler Mott. Yeah, yeah. On yeah, um, I think Jason Mott's a baseball player. That
2: that was Jamie speaking through me for a second. Um, I think I did that a couple weeks ago, didn't I? I have a did you? I have a diff- added a different first name for someone. I, I don't I, remember.
0: Oh yeah, that. Lex Tuck. Remember Lex Tuck? He
2: oh no, that's that was just that was just a <laughs> typo in my notes. But I actually think I said someone's name incorrectly two weeks uh,
0: ago. But usually we highlight that on this show. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean I understand why Reeves got you know the five minute major and the suspension and everything. But to me, and they hit on on Nick Schmaltz was was so much worse than that hit in the Vancouver. Because at least the Vancouver one, you could make a case like, okay, hey, Reeves is going full speed. He does turn away at the last second. He still hits the guy. So I understand why there's the penalty and everything. I'm not saying he didn't deserve all that. But, you know, it, you and I were the same way with the hit on Schmaltz. When it first happened, it was kind of like, yeah, maybe that's bad. I had to see like five angles before I the saw reverse the reverse one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it was, that like, was the one.
2: That's the one where you're suspension. like, really? So the elbow, the flying elbow was unavoidable? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it came away from his body. It, it's, that was absurd. That was an absurd call. We're calling anyway. this episode the flying
0: elbow, just for the record. I'm writing that <laughs> right, down right there now. There it is. Um, anything else on Tampa and the Islanders? We figure this series is done. No, all, all respect to the Islanders, but we figure this is pretty much done.
2: Uh, I think the Islanders could win game three with, with uh, the Lightning being shorthanded, but I, I can't see this series going beyond six at the most, probably five. Now, to be fair, we
0: have seen Tampa get into the, the Eastern Conference Final before and then just completely quit. Oh, there from... it is. <laughs> Go ahead and bring that up. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's happening this year. They seem to have – they once they broke through against Columbus, that seemed to be all they needed. Uh, the team they will play if they get to the Cup is very much up in the air between Vegas and Dallas. Back-to-back shutouts, one for Dallas in game one, one for Vegas in game two. Vegas had a run there. Where they hadn't, what they had scored one goal against an actual goalie in like three and a half games. They finally <laughs> broke through that in Game yeah. Two against Dallas. But um, this, this has the potential to be
2: a very fun and all the way to Game Seven series. Yeah, no question. it's uh, and I, I think it's going to be a. I mean, it could change, but I think it's going to be the same kind of hockey that we've seen so far. Very tight checking, low scoring, uh, which is more of Dallas. That, this is more the Dallas that we expected to see, right? Yeah, I don't know where that offense came from for the first couple of rounds, but they seem to be back to what we expected. But they can they can win a game like this. They can play this style and win, especially if Miro Heishkinen is going to keep playing like he's playing. I know I said this in the and the past podcast, but Miro Heishkinen is a better player right now than Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr. He's he's such a complete player. He, as I said in the last one, uh, he impacts the game so many ways, away from the puck as well as with the puck.
0: I I not only agree. I'd go one step further and say he's a better player than most defensemen in the NHL right now. I mean, there's you know he hasn't hit the level of Victor Hedman or some of those other guys that that are perpetually great and have the right amount of experience, but. There's not a lot of defensemen I would take if we were drafting teams right now over Hyskinen. There really isn't, especially yeah. when you consider his. Who age. Who else
2: would you put in that argument? Like maybe Seth Jones would be a guy that you'd put in that argument, but beyond that, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's another guy out there. They're
0: they're really they're really if you're talking about like 25 and under guys, they're really at the play defense. No, yeah. I, I think Hyskinen would be would be right there at the top or, or you know second on on that list. You mentioned another defenseman. He's not on Hyskinen's level, but another defenseman in this series. Jay Theodore, I mean, you know, the, the knock on Vegas, if there has been one since they came into the league, is that their defense isn't all that great,
2: but Jay Theodore is looking pretty great. He's really emerging in this series. I love how the playoffs do this sometimes, too, where a player that you thought was good, but, he, you know, you didn't think he was elite, suddenly emerges as one of the better players of the NHL. That's a great development for Vegas, that he's becoming this kind of player. And, and, you know, we've talked so much about the teams that helped Vegas in the expansion draft. Florida, obviously, Columbus and Minnesota. But now you wonder, did Anaheim give them the best piece of all in Shea Theodore?
0: They um boy, they may have given him their most important piece. You know, I mean I guess Pittsburgh with Flurry, although Flurry's not playing right now. But I I at least remember when that was all going on, Anaheim didn't want to give up Theodore. They they had a lot of defensemen. There was only so many guys you could protect. They had guys with the the non the no movement clauses that they had to protect. Um, but whereas minnesota and florida just didn't even seem to value the players they gave up but uh theodore wasn't this guy the first couple of years in vegas he has definitely been a major uh, game changer for them uh joel kiviranta who had the uh, the game winner in game seven against colorado and what a game that was look i follow hockey pretty closely there aren't many players i don't know a whole lot about i didn't know a whole lot about joel kiviranta coming into this
2: season Yes. And now he's a playoff hero. <laughs> you are not alone. You are not alone. That was, that was again, that's, that's what the playoff script will do. Sometimes these heroes that come out of nowhere and that's, it's, it's just one of many things that I love about the NHL playoffs. Um, I know I had Vegas,
0: I had Vegas in seven in this series. I think, did we all have Vegas and seven or Jamie said he may have had Vegas in
2: six. I got to go back and look at his, but we all took Vegas and yeah, you and I definitely had him in seven.
0: Okay. Um, Get into some of these listener questions do you have anything else on that series before we hit all nope, good okay all right so let's see i almost just deleted the entire podcast instead cool. of doing that i'm going to read some of these questions um seth in october i'll be doing my own craig morgan around the draft driving for a vacation to portland oregon and his extensive travels and breweries or stops i should make on the way from phoenix specifically avoiding trash ipas i think Wait, part where- of that question's
2: missing <laughs> <laughs> where is he going He's going to Portland, Portland, Oregon. So I I don't know breweries in Portland. Portland is not an NHL stop. So I can't say that I have spent a lot of time in Portland, Oregon. You're going to have to go to someone else, Seth. I apologize.
0: He is. He is driving, though. So is there anything along the way
2: between here? Oh, you know that that I-5 corridor in California is fascinating, isn't it? (laughs) there's a lot of Brown Hills after Brown Hills, after Brown Hills. It's one of the (laughs) ugliest drives in the nation, which is amazing to say about California, which is one of the most beautiful States, but the I five is, is truly the ugliest part of the state.
0: You could take the Pacific coast highway. It'll take you like seven times as long, but at least you'll be driving along the coast. So worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it on the bright side, Seth, Portland is basically built on IP or uh, on breweries. So you'll, there's going to be a lot of IPAs. That's the problem, but you will find plenty of breweries once you get to Portland. Um, Dangle snipe belly top three realistic Jamie replacements. Well, I guess Pierre Maguire is available at this point. Uh, he, he will not be on the list. I'll take a nice coffee. Yeah, <laughs> definitely napkin. Jamie, I think at this point is at the top of the list. He hasn't gotten a second interview yet.
2: Worst day of the week. No, I mean, for me, it's Monday. It's always Monday. Yeah, I just, I feel like Monday is the answer that they want us to give. I mean, lately it's it's hard to tell because they all just blend together. They all feel the same during COVID. But generally, you know, the day you got to go back after the weekend is, it's a rough day.
0: I think there's some level of frustration too with Fridays right now because, you know, a COVID Monday sort of feels like a regular Monday, but a COVID Friday, you're like, I'm missing out on a Friday right here. That's true. That's a good point. So in normal times, yes, the answer is definitely a Monday. And one more from dangle snipe belly. Could you create a campaign slogan for your favorite food and share it with us? The food or the slogan, either or. Mm. Uh, I don't have one of those prepared, but I will say this because Craig ate canes on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I've never had canes. You've never had canes. Never had canes. Wait, and
2: you're a sun devil too, aren't you? Yeah,
0: I just how is that possible? It's it is my greatest shame, and I'm going to change it before the next episode we record. I'm going to go out. I just I don't like I don't like lines. And if you if you know anything about ASU, the line to get into canes is all the way down University and like halfway to New Mexico. Mm -hmm. But I have located other canes that don't have that line, so I'm going to
2: try this week. That's my slogan. I'm going to try. Okay, I'm going to try. Okay, because uh, I had nothing, actually, other than to say that I could eat sushi. It works every day. <laughs> um, well, we have a lot of
0: food questions
2: here. Okay. In this. I like food questions. I'm getting hungry, though.
0: Coyote and Philly, have you guys been to Chiba Hut? You should go to Chiba Hut when you can.
2: Well, funny, fun story here, actually. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, owns a branding firm that represented Chiba Hut for a very long time. So uh, not only did I go to Chiba Hut, I got some perks. Oh, Chiba Hut is good too. There's, there's nothing wrong Chiba with Chiba Hut is good.
0: Um, if you could give up one thing you like love forever to make 2020 better for everyone, what would it be? This is from Booper. Jamie Eisner. Yeah. I was going to say Jamie Eisner, but it says like love. So I don't know. Napkin Jamie, maybe. I think, I think we could replace napkin Jamie with another napkin. Um, Todd in Phoenix. What do you think of Clayton Keller's development as a player? I've drawn comparisons to Nathan McKinnon, who started strong, had three down years, and then turned into a 90-plus point-per-season player, changed his diet, put on weight, started seeing a sports psychologist. Are the Coyotes offering or pushing any of this on Keller? Do you think his playoff performance is more of what's to come, or will we get two months into next season and have another ghost-playing wing on the Coyotes' top line?
2: Ooh, that's a lot to digest. Let's start with the comparisons to Nathan McKinnon, full stop. No, no, yeah. <laughs> no comparisons there. Different body type, different player, different skill set. So, no, I, I would not make that comparison. Anything other than maybe you hope for that sort of breakout after a, a quiet period. But Clayton Keller's offseason, I agree. He's He's got to get more physical. He's got to get more of a will to get to the net. And I know that's tough for a player of his size. I'm actually going to be writing about him very soon. So, stay tuned. Nice. Yeah, I would say, you know... In fairness to Keller, Nathan McKinnon was the number one overall pick
0: and is one of the two or three, if if not the number one player in the league. Maybe the, world
2: the best right player now. in the league.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think it is a fascinating question of what what Clayton Keller's ceiling is, or or what sort what player you want him to become realistically. And I don't I don't want to draw the comparison based entirely on size because I think that the, that's only one measurement. But at the same time, in the NHL in today's game, you know he can't be a Nathan McKinnon. He can't be one of these guys that can throw. I mean, Nathan McKinnon just throws guys off of him when he's skating. I mean, ideally yep. you're hoping Clayton Keller turns into a Johnny Gaudreau. And Johnny Gaudreau was a, was a Hart Trophy finalist a couple of years ago. So
2: that's what you're hoping for. Absolutely. But even if Clayton Keller is a 65-point guy, th- that's good enough. That's, that's, that would be satisfactory. What he did you know, over an entire season, if he could produce like he did his rookie season, which had great patches and bad patches, if he could do that, I think that would be good enough for yeah, his contract.
0: It it's going to be interesting too with a, with a new GM coming in, you know, we we've seen this in the past. We saw it with Dylan Strom a lot. Like once once you make that switch, it's kind of like at a certain point you can't look at Dylan Strom as the third overall pick in a draft that has 75 Hall of Famers. You just have to look at him for who he is. Right. Clayton Keller's going to get measured against his contract cuz he's getting paid that. Um i i continue to say you don't want to be in a position where Keller's supposed to be your best player there's a, a big ceiling on on how far your team can go if he's your best player but he can be a very useful player and like you said 65 points 70 points i just want them spread out though i don't want 65 points in october where the coyotes look dominant for a month and then he goes away for a while um Los Coyote Steve asked the question about, this is, we, I hadn't even seen this. Could someone clarify how Reeves earned a suspension for his hit against the Canucks when he gave virtually the identical hit against Schmaltz in the exhibition game? What am I missing? Well, oh, Steve, we don't know what you're missing because we're missing it too.
2: Yeah, I can't clarify. I have no idea.
0: Uh, wow, more, more food questions. Lisa, in your opinion, what is the best sandwich shop in the Phoenix area?
2: Now, we've already mentioned Chiba Hut, so I, and I think that's on the list. I'm a, I'm a, I am am ai ai wouldn't call it a necessarily a sandwich shop, but I really like Chompies. Choppy's has some great sandwiches. Ooh. That's a good place to go. Yeah. Um, you have you have you been to Ike's Love and Sandwiches too? Yeah, uh, that's a great Ike's spot too. So so those those are some places on my list.
0: Ike's just make sure. I mean, that's one of those places that has like three hundred different sandwiches, and when yep. you walk in, they're only going to have like ten on the wall. So if you're going to Ike's, I would encourage you to look online at their full menu before you go in. Just bring uh, I the would menu. Throw, yeah, just just bring. It, it's going to look like the Constitution if you carry it in. <laughs> and uh, I would um I. DeFalcos. Have you been to DeFalcos? Yes, sure. yes. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: On your recommendation,
0: as a matter of fact. So, oh, yeah, look at that. That's another good oh, yeah. spot. I was there with you that one time. Yes, when, uh, yes we yeah. were. <laughs> that was an interesting day. Um, let's see. Greg. Greg, this is the Greg who sent us the uh, Natty Hattie Bingo a while back, so he always gets his, uh, his tweets read. Yeah. Tampa Bay is going to need cap relief. Maybe OEL wants a change of scenery. OEL for Stamco's way off base fills a need for both teams. Salaries match. Both have no movement. Am
2: I crazy? I kinda think you're crazy because I, I don't trust Steven Stamko's health anymore. I, I don't think you can make that move. You need to if you're gonna trade OEL, again, like like Darcy Kemper, you and I know you gotta move a contract, so it's a little bit different because OEL's contract is prohibitive, but I want a core piece that I'm sure can be a core piece, not one that's got the injury history that Steven Stamkos has. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, if you had proposed that trade three years ago, I mean, I mean, there was a time when Steven Stamkos was one of the best players in the NHL, but mm-hmm. You you can't give up your captain if you're not getting back a surefire return. Uh, Cam Paul, who were the three worst NHL head coaches of of this season? Man. Wow. That's. that's, um, Hmm. Who is Detroit's coach? I can't even remember anymore. Is this still Jeff Blashill? I think it is. Whoever was coaching Detroit. Is that even fair though? with, With what Detroit had. Um, it is if he has gotten to keep his job through all this. I mean, I never want anybody to lose their job, but yes, if he is, Willie
2: uh, <laughs> really, Desjardins
0: wasn't coaching somewhere, was he? Uh, no, okay. But I I think he counts if he got within a hundred yards of an NHL arena, <laughs> you can go ahead and use. It.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, Jeff Blashill was still Detroit's coach. Um, oh man, worst coaches. I don't. I don't know. I, it's such a hard thing because there's there's so many mitigating factors that you either are or not aware of that are going on in, with the team, it, uh, I don't even know. I, I don't know what I would answer there. Yeah, I mean, a
0: lot of the, lot of the guys that are coaching bad teams right now are kind of getting their first crack at this, so it's hard for me to, to pile on them. I guess we could pile on Mike Babcock since he lost his job with one of the most talented teams in the NHL midway through the season.
2: Yeah, and look what his replacement did.
0: <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Yep. Um, Bobby Bigwheel. That's a How good could, name. It is I like Bobby Bigwheel. He he should have his tweets read every week too. Okay, we'll move him to the top of the list. We AKA Tom J. Yeah, that's yeah. I like Bobby Big Wheel better. Me too. How could a team coached by Rick Tocket not have a single player that plays like Rick Tocket? Would the Blues take Keller for Braden Shen? Seems like that would be a symbiotic trade and solve the no tocket comps problem. That's interesting.
2: It is interesting. I mean, if if St. Louis wants to get younger and they bring home a native, but are they giving up a center who's played very well for them? I don't know. For a wing? A know. wing that, that always plays his best games in St. Louis, though. So you know you're going to get <laughs> Pete
0: Keller 41 games a year. <laughs> oh, there's that. Maybe. Maybe. I think the first I, part of that... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you well, go gonna, The The first part of that question is, is really interesting, of how could a team coached by Rick Tockett not have a single player that plays like Rick Tockett? I would venture to guess that that's going to change here in the near future yeah i think that has more to do with the gm yeah and i would assume talking probably has some input on on the new gm and that's probably going to be his input of hey you know i had a lot of success playing this way i he had a lot of players like him when he was an assistant coach in pittsburgh too i'm not sure how much input he has on the new gm actually no really well then maybe that won't change <laughs> Uh, Wow. Los Coyote Steve asked another question that we already randomly answered. Los Coyote Steve might be moving up the list to replace Jamie. Non-linear donut ball delivery. Hmm. I like this account. With the benefit of hindsight, do you think the Oilers or Flames won the Neil for Lucic trade? Also, what is your favorite donut you can get at Bosa Donuts? Wow. You answer Uh, the first
2: one. I'll answer the donut one. Oh, man. Well, I was going to say Boston cream pie. I just want to throw that out there. That's that. that's top three for me. The, the Their buttermilk donuts are insane. Really? Yeah. I've, yeah. I've never had theirs. Oh, you got to try those. But, okay. you know, pre- prepare to just have an evening where you're just going to lie on the couch afterward because that's all you can do. <laughs> well, fortunately, they're open 24 seven, no matter what's they going really on. They really are. It's it's unfair. It's <laughs> like you could be driving home at three in the morning. Oh, Bosa's is open.
0: I, I could get one of those. I can tell you, we were driving home at one in the morning on Christmas Eve and we're like, yeah, hey, let's get donuts to celebrate. And sure <laughs> enough, they were open. So, and they've been open through all of this. Um, the Neo for Lucic trade. Boy, we <laughs> going to call that, that a push. <laughs> You know, we can. I think I would have called it a win for Calgary, and so Lucic triggered that Dallas rally in that elimination game in the last <laughs> round of the playoffs. Right. right. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's that's where we'll have to go with that. Um, oh, well, the coaches, Jack. We appreciate your question for the Mount Rushmore of fantasy football experts. We will try to save that for when Jamie's here because that definitely feels like a, a Jamie question. Uh, Michael. As much as everyone loves Jalmerson, could we see him on the trade block for a pick or piece? His contract's almost up, and if you're rebuilding anyway, you might as well throw Soderstrom in there.
2: Yes, uh, teams are in love with Nick Chalmerson's brand, brand of hockey. You always need a piece like that. Now, I, I didn't think he had a very good postseason, but that's a small sample, and we have seen what he can bring to this team in terms of suppressing shots, professionalism, all that. Yes, I think he could be on the block, and I, I, I do think he could bring a return. What that is... Mm, for a player like that, I, I don't know at this point. I don't know what they'd be looking to acquire. I know they want to get back in the draft, but a, a lot of these players, you know, these veterans, on um, one-year deals, I don't know that you can get more than a third or a second-round pick for them.
0: Uh, last one here. Uh, we got two more, Craig. Uh, fantastic, Mr. Fox. Will the Rangers' hiring of Martin really improve the Rangers' defense? I know the Rangers don't even have a competent first pair left defenseman, let alone depth That Bingo! Depthed. <laughs> but <laughs> you just answered your own question. Really? Uh, maybe that's why you're the fantastic Mr. Fox and not just Mr. Fox.
2: Hey, you People know, Tony play, D, I mean, he's uh, something else. He's, he's, a, he's a great
0: defenseman, isn't he? Tony D, not on the list of replacements. for. Does he, he, he probably defends worse than Quinn Hughes, right? Uh, Tony D, yes. Yeah. yeah. And look, um, I understand he had a good offensive season for the Rangers, and I know a lot of Rangers fans love him but I'm going to need to see that for more than just this one year. And I'm going to need to see him play some defense with it. Uh, Not to say he shouldn't be playing, but I I just, I wouldn't expect him to be this amazing. And I would look deeper in the numbers, which it sounds like fantastic. Mr. Fox already is. Um, Yeah. I mean, the Rangers defense is, it's not terrible. They're just, they're a work in progress still.
2: That sounds like a tagline right there. The Rangers defense. It's not terrible.
0: (laughs) I'm just, it's remarkable how quickly the Rangers have turned this around, but you, you, they still have some work on the, on the, line. well, it's, it's remarkable how quickly they've brought in some pieces for, they were supposed to be terrible for a while, starting like two years ago. Hmm. Um, okay. Last one. Murdoch. If you could own one famous movie prop, what are you going
2: with? One Famous movie prop. Wow. Ooh. I didn't see this question earlier. I would have given this more thought. This is—I like this question, but it seems man. like a Craig Morgan question. I got to start going through my yeah, because you guys don't even watch movies, do you? I mean, I've seen a couple. A couple. <laughs> I've seen a couple. Um, I
0: haven't. Uh, I haven't mm. seen a lot of classic movies. I've seen Godfather, but like the ones that people are like, oh, you haven't seen, um, I don't know, Gone with the Wind or some of those other ones, uh, yeah.
2: Casablanca. No, I haven't seen any of those. Gone with the Wind's overrated. Uh, boy i apologize murdoch nothing is coming to mind right away but this is a good question this is a very good question i've I got think one I'm trying, do you okay yeah
0: go ahead. i'm not i'm not the world's biggest star wars fan but oh I mean, see and i thought you might say this okay go ahead i, I want to know what I, you want from star wars i will take a full-size millennium falcon in my driveway okay, I, I would absolutely take that too especially if it actually is operational Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, Another food question from Murdoch. Where is the best Mexican food in Phoenix? This is going to be controversial. I can tell you that right now.
2: You answer first.
0: Man. I hesitate to say this because I don't want to leave anybody out. And I did not eat nearly as much Mexican food before I moved to Phoenix, but there are so many good options here that I'm not – by saying these two, I'm not ruling everybody else out. Julio's in Scottsdale is very good. Uh, Very underrated. Yeah. And uh, Carolina's, they now have a few um, locations around the Valley. When I first moved here, they only had like one or two Carolina's tortillas. I didn't know it was possible to love a tortilla that much until I moved here.
2: Mm. So, mm. you know what I really plus? miss? Do you remember Verde that was downtown for a little while? Do you oh, remember I never that. Had place? that. Oh, uh-uh. I missed that place. That place was fantastic. There, you're right. There's so many choices. I don't want to, there's so many places in Scottsdale alone. Yeah, that are fantastic. But then, when you talk about like pizza, I talk about convenience Mexican. There are a ton mm. of great places too. There, are t- I have a place right by my house called Julianos that has fantastic food. It's Sorry, literally I, I can that. walk there. I can walk there. We've we've
0: talked a lot about food on the show, and I'm very yeah, I'm happy. Starving. um <laughs> And this is Murdoch who threw this out there. The Oats get their draft picks back, but they have to hire Pierre as GM. Are they game? <laughs> might be part of the poll question uh, on a uh, one month contract yes yeah because otherwise he's going to trade those picks away for (laughs) like an informational booklet on on where everybody went to play junior hockey um all right that's it craig we actually got through all the questions i believe that's pretty impressive you get some sort of award for this all right anything else here before we wrap up looking forward to this vegas game which is starting right now indeed i got nothing Okay, cool. All right, for Jamie Eisner when he was here, and we appreciate him leaving early to give us all a break from him. Sorry, Gilbert, Anthony, wherever you are. For Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Trick Podcast.
2: The next time we convene, we could have a Coyotes GM.